differences between civil and common law countries with respect to the criminal justice system. The first, uh, and I think is uh, perhaps the most important, is the fact that uh, in the uh, systems of the world, uh, except Saudi Arabia, every criminal defendant now gets a paid lawyer to defend them. But because you don't have a formal trial in the civil law systems, and you do have a formal trial and a long buildup in the common law systems, uh, the emphasis in most cases is, is, is almost the same. There's a, a brief hearing and you meet the judge. And that's because in common law systems, most cases don't go to a big trial. The big trial is only the case where you have a defendant with lots of resources able to defend himself or herself. Uh, and there's lo lots of evidence and huge reams of paper that are true. Uh, maybe eventually they'll go digital, but these days lawyers still provide the judges with huge amounts of paper to read. And then they shred or keep them somewhere. So the big trial is the exception in both systems. And when you have a common law trial system, the big trial will be even much longer because of the fact that it's adversarial, which is to say that both sides get to challenge uh, and make an advocate for their defendant uh, to the full extent as possible. Uh, the nature of a court is only one aspect of the criminal justice system. And the trial is the most dramatic example of this. But we should remember that trials themselves are designed to get a settlement in both criminal and civil trials. And so the idea is to try to avoid a trial at all costs because they're so expensive. Um, but ultimately, the extent to which you have trials as opposed to all the other aspects like policing, uh, probation, parole, detention, and incarceration, and other forms of punishment, uh, the extent to which you have trials depends a lot on crime rates uh, and litigiousness. Litigiousness refers more to the disputes of civil trials and don't apply so much to criminal trials. Uh, in our system, uh, every everyone is assumed to be innocent, entitled to a trial by jury, uh, and if necessary, going to trial. And under those circumstances, uh, you will have uh, trials as a number of trials will be a function of the crime rate. And the extent to which you can resolve the, the matter by getting a plea bargain uh, reduces the number of trials in the United States, whereas in the civil law countries, there is at least a formal process. It's not a trial as such because they don't have that big buildup in civil law countries the way we have in our, our system. But we, we use this system of plea bargain in the United States. England's beginning to, to experiment with it. Most countries don't have it. It's regarded as unequal justice under law. It's regarded as unethical to treat people in similar situations differently. Our system, maybe because we have more crime than most countries, maybe because we have a more pragmatic streak uh, we do believe in plea bargaining, and the idea is to take into consideration not only ways to reduce the caseload on the criminal justice system and the prison load of prisoners who are convicted on an overburdened prison population, but it's also based on the notion of discretion in the common law system. That's true in England as well. Whereas there's no discretion in the civil law systems, our system is designed to promote uh, 
the ability of prosecutors, police officers, and judges to, to find reasons to perhaps you know, take into consideration mitigating circumstances. In theory, uh, this can also be brought into the punishment phase uh, in terms of affecting the sentence. But uh, the way it works in our system is the discretion is built in at many phases during the pretrial and trial processes uh, to try to find ways to reduce this load. Uh, but then, if it goes to trial, then the, the, the question before the jury and the judge, the jury, the facts of the case, and the judge, uh, the law of the case, you do not then have discretion. You finally get to a trial, after all the said and done, and a policeman doesn't drop the charges, or the prosecutor doesn't ask the judge to drop the charges, uh, and you don't take a plea bargain for re presumed reduced sentence, which is usually offered, although it's not absolutely guaranteed, uh, because the judge could always say no, or the judge might think it's not worthwhile, or whatever else is the reason. But if you do go to a trial, and the trial is finished at that particular moment, then there's no more discretion. In theory, uh, the judge is supposed to find the applicable law, and the jury is supposed to find what the evidence says. Then. In the punishment phase, if there's a conviction, then you can take into extenuating and mitigating factors and circumstances that might lead you to think that these situations should be treated with less severity, or more severity for that matter, in the punishment. So except for that one brief moment, uh, in the common law system, uh, there is discretion throughout the process. And what does this allow us to do? Well, it allows the, the court to, for example, uh, to say, okay, you don't have a criminal record. Uh, we're not going to. We're going to offer you uh, a way to have the charges dropped if you do community service, uh, or we'll just drop the charges because we just don't feel like pressing you for it. Whereas someone who's a repeat offender, you might, you know, say this is going to trial, and you're going to get the full range of uh, things if you don't accept our plea bargain of charges counts. Now, the court itself is founded under two main principles, according to the, 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 uh, the chapter, uh, impartiality and independence. Judicial impartiality also implies competence. So competence and independence, as well as neutrality, is a basic functioning of all criminal justice systems and all courts, for that matter. Now, we know that, at least on the legal side, impartiality doesn't exist. The Supreme Court of the United States in making its judgments, it's, it's no, there's no doubt about it that uh, the appointments are made to reflect the political views of the president and the judges decide on the basis of their attitudinal and ideological preferences. But uh, the court is independent. Uh, it's independent in, uh, formally uh, by the fact that you know, you, it would be a crime to intimidate a judge or to bribe a judge informally by giving high salaries, or relatively high salaries compared at least to the population, uh, and lifetime appointments. Uh, you can always resign because you're getting old, like uh, Judge Stevens is almost 90, although he seems to be at his full faculties. He just can't hit a tennis ball as hard as he can't, used to at 6 AM when he plays every day. Uh, but uh, lifetime appointment and a fairly high salary are, are the two most common ways that most countries use to provide independence. Uh, it's also true, of course, that 
in civil law systems, there's less independence because it's a civil service position. You're promoted on the basis of evaluations of your tenure. Uh, in the case of judges in England, where you first of all have to have been a barrister, barrister being the more elite of the two types of lawyers in England, the other being the solicitor. Solicitors might make more money if they work for a large law firm than any barrister who gets charges relatively high fees for fairly wealthy clients. Uh, but the barristers are the ones with the highest grades in their law examinations. And then if you're an elite barrister, you're, you're appointed as a Queen's Counsel. QC would follow your name or your title. And of the QCs, then they choose judges, particularly judges to the high court, which is the system uh, for the major cases involving lots of money in civil trials and the major criminal trials that England would hold in, in, in its jurisdiction under English law. Uh, so in, to some extent, there's less independence in the promotion based much more on merit in England than our system, where politics comes into play much more objectively. So the English system is a little more bureaucratic. The civil law system is highly bureaucratic for the recruitment and promotion of judges. Uh, and the American system is the most political, because essentially uh, you either run for office, which is true in 39 states, for terms that are longer than typical legislators or governors or exec executive branch people like mayors, would have, you might get eight to 13 year terms, but you run for office. Uh, you run as an, uh, usually on a nonpartisan basis, but you might run on a partisan basis. But there are great restrictions on campaigning. You can't attack your opponent's record, for example. You can only talk about yourself. And there's lots of controversy over the fact that judges get their campaigns financed, and people who finance judicial elections know, have the same kinds of interests as those who also finance legislative and executive branch elections uh, in office. If you're going for a federal appointment, you usually have to be appointed by your senator. And typically, uh, the party of the presidents uh, gets three out of four appointments for federal judges to the various district courts and, of course, the circuit courts for the 11 circuits which is the appellate level of the United States and the Supreme Court, most of all, are the most political. Those are processes. Judge Stevens was perhaps the last judge not to be put through the ringer when he was appointed to the Supreme Court by Gerald Ford. He actually, his appointment came about a year and a half after the Roe versus Wade abortion decision. And no one in the Senate asked his op opinion about abortion, because that became a much more uh, hot button issue when Judge Bork of the Circuit Court of DC was nominated to be on the Supreme Court. Uh, what does it mean to be a criminal lawyer in uh, our system? A criminal lawyer in the United States is typically a sole practitioner or in a very small firm. It's completely different from the large corporate law firms that exist. Uh, generally, a criminal lawyer is always a defense attorney, although quite typically it is someone who has uh, done time as a district attorney or a criminal prosecutor in the federal uh, uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, which are the also political appointees. Again, the party of the president gets to appoint more of the U.S. attorneys around the country. Only about 25% of the U.S. attorneys, just like 25% of the judges, are nominated by the opposition party, which would be currently be the Republicans with uh, Obama in office. Uh, 
The question remains, though, uh, if you are a criminal defense attorney, uh, are you practicing good ethical uh, practices? A lot of people despise criminal defense attorneys because they're defending the guilty. And a defense attorney will always tell you, look, I'm doing what the country requires us to do, which is to provide everyone with a defense. It may be true that my client is guilty of some kind of crime, but I'm going to argue he's not or she's not guilty of the crime for which he's been indicted and accused in a particular court. Uh, but the defense attorneys, you know, are famous for their emotional appeals to the jury, trying to distract the jury from thinking about the evidence about the particular crime that the prosecution has presented uh, before them, uh, also trying to appeal to the jury to uh, consider the fact that this person is not such a bad person, or you know, don't stereotype the person because he's been accused for, of drugs, that means you just want to lock him away because he's a drug trafficker and so forth. The prosecutors will always make appeals, of course, to the jury to appeal to their sense that cops are good people, and the cops would not have framed this person, and that they're telling the truth on the stand. So a criminal trial in the United States, if it does go to trial, typically turns on the credibility of the police officer who makes the arrest and anyone else involved in the investigation, as opposed to making appeal uh, to the fact that the evidence before is tainted, that the uh, particular defendant shouldn't be stereotyped by your images of crime or what you've seen on television, and also to, to put into the jury the idea that there is a reasonable doubt, a doubt for which they have a reason, a doubt which would call into question uh, the certain near certainty that is required in order to convict somebody of a crime on a particular occasion. Okay, well, we're out of time. We'll have more time for the reading on Monday. And you should be planning a meeting possibly each of the next two weekends to prepare for the Mood Court.